The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome once again to the Action Network Podcast, the Golf Edition, presented by BetMGM. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is my pal, Peter Jennings from Fantasy Labs, and we're going to talk all about the upcoming American Express tournament on the PGA Tour this week. We're going to go through our DFS lineup. We're going to go through our favorite plays on each tier. We're going to give our favorite outrights, our favorite props, all that good stuff. And, of course, we've got our five questions Five under in five minutes, and we're going to go back and talk a little bit about the Sony Open from this past weekend. But first, Petey, what's going on, dude? Stoked. Really happy we have golf again. It was uh, fun to watch. Uh, You know, I can't hit the ball far. I can't do anything that special. Occasionally, I can get hot with the putter. I feel like every amateur golfer should, like, attempt the Kevin Na at some point in time. So maybe that's something I'm going to integrate into my own golf game, although I feel like there'd be a lot of embarrassing moments. But – when you do make it and you walk it in, it's pretty cool. I have tried it before and missed. And if you're with somebody that you can get embarrassed in front of, you will be embarrassed when you try to do a 10-foot walk it in for birdie and it absolutely misses on the low side. And you're like, oh, I was just going to go get that on the other side of the hole real quick. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bad look. But I love the fact that, first of all, Kevin Na does it. Secondly, Kevin Na wears a logo – on the back of his shirt of Kevin Na walking in a putt, which is – it's either the coolest thing or the strangest thing ever, but I'll side with the coolest. Yeah, I'm a huge Kevin Na fan. Uh, I play a ton of golf at Southern Highlands where he's a member and uh, where he spends a ton of time out in Vegas uh, outside of Shadow Creek, in my opinion, the best club by a good margin, one of my favorite clubs in the country, and uh, nicest guy, um, just, just fun to be around. And uh, it's impressive to watch him win because – you know, we talk about, uh, you know, the different skill sets that these golfers have. I mean, Kevin Na is not the longest, you know, not necessarily the best ball striker, but he can get really hot with the putter and he can get really strong with the approach. And that's what we saw this week. So kudos to Kevin Na. was rooting for our boy Steely, who had the overnight lead going mm-hmm. Sunday. That was a little bit painful. But, uh, yeah, it was a fun week. And certainly uh, I wish I was in Hawaii. And I also wish I was uh, – in Palm Springs where I've had a lot of fun watching tennis and playing golf. So uh, the PGA tour is making me very envious. I want to be traveling. So first of all, I want to get into all that. Uh, Kevin Nah to have success in this generation as he is right now, I think is really impressive. I mean, we see guys like Bryson DeChambeau hit the ball 350 yards off the tee. Kevin Nah feels like a throwback to the Corey Pavins, Justin Leonard's of a generation ago where you would think that he would have been very successful in that era, but not necessarily in this one. Well, he's a guy that turned pro when he was 17 back in 2001, took 10 years to win his first PGA Tour event, took another seven years to win his second PGA Tour event. Now in the last 30 months, the last two and a half years, he has won four times, which is really, really impressive. There are a lot of guys who have a lot more clout, a lot more popularity, and don't have that many wins in that little time. So – uh, very impressed with what Kevin Na has been able to do 
uh, even though he is hardly a big hitter out there. Secondly, you mentioned Steely. Brendan Steele, Brendan Steele, Brendan Steele. I just want to be able to hit the ball higher, a little bit farther. Steele with a rip off the 12th. Hard to beat. Wow, that was just jammed in. The man of steel. How good was that? Wow. Boy, uh, it's just, I mean, I was rooting for him the whole way. The eagle on nine, I'm like, all right, we got it this time. He's going to do it. And I, you know, I'm trying to remain as objective as I possibly can. But uh, with both a steely ticket and a, a friend of ours who's on top of the leaderboard, it's hard to stay very objective in that situation. And so, yeah, I was yelling at the TV a little bit. I've texted with them just a little bit over the last uh, 24, 48 hours or so. And, uh, you know, he's, he's taking it okay. I mean, yeah, I think this one hurts a little bit. This stings probably more than last year when it all just kind of fell apart on the last hole for him. And then Cameron Smith had a good shot in the playoff. This was a, a little bit more of a slower sort of uh, – I don't know. Doing in, I guess, is is the tough best way to sleep on the lead and lose. That's, it's I, really tough. It, yeah. And you know, it's. I remember him telling me years ago that he might prefer to be two shots back as opposed to two shots ahead going into the final round. I would, people would say, you know, especially on the analytics side, like that's crazy. Uh, you'd rather be two shots better than two shots worse. Uh, there's something to it. There really there's is analytics to it actually backing side. up. So there's amount of a lead that's good, but like the one shot lead or two shot lead like that. Actually, the win equity is still there because they're winning. But in terms of like their expectation, they're going to score better being two shots back than they are yes. two shots in. So it's in the analytics actually that sleeping in the lead brings down your your scoring average or brings up, I guess, in golf. Like you're going to play a little bit worse. So it, it makes a lot of sense. I thought Bones actually nailed it on the Golf Channel telecast when he said it felt like Steely was playing more defense than offense. And quite frankly, that's what happens when you have the lead. You have the lead and you say, okay, I don't want to blow the lead. So let me just hit fairways and greens and just try to, you know, plod my way around there. Whereas, hey, look, scores are really low. You know, they, they were going super low all weekend at Wileye. And so you're going to get passed if you're playing defensive golf. And so I, I don't know if that was necessarily a strategy. I assume it wasn't, but he just never really stepped on the gas pedal other than that ninth hole. And so he got passed and it's a shame to see because we like him and we root for him and we want to see him do good things. And that could happen this week at PGA West, where, uh, as you mentioned, Pete, you, I've played out there. Um, I've had some fun playing out at PGA West and Palm Springs. I know you have had some good times out there. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on the course and, uh, any good stories about it? Yeah, I, I love the course. Uh, my friends and I, a big uh, gambling crew, including Brandon Adams, go out every year, uh, you know, pre-COVID uh, to Indian Wells for the tennis tournament. We watch a lot of tennis, do some big tennis bets, and inevitably we end up playing a lot of golf. Uh, we have some friends at the Madison Club at the Vintage, and of course we all, you know, love to go out to uh, PJ West. And uh, there's been some epic battles uh, on that course. Uh, I've been known to throw some dollars around, and uh, yeah, this course is probably the the highest amount of money I've got on a course outside of some mountain trips that we do every summer uh, up in the mountains here in Colorado, but tons of fun. And uh, I don't make the course. I mean, you, you and I have played a lot of golf together and, you know, we play with guys that, uh, you know, we're playing with a couple guys who are like threes or fours, but Brandon's, you know, double digit handicap, a couple of the other guys are. The course doesn't seem that easy for us, but you watch the pros play and you just really, I mean, obviously they're at a different level and, even playing with some plus golfers, they don't make the course look as easy as these PGA Tour professionals, and that's really relevant this week. I mean, you need to get 
guys who can win in really low scoring environments. So good approach game, good putters, uh, get a bump uh, this week. So my radio partner, Michael Collins, who does Hitting the Green with me uh, every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on Sirius XM's PGA Tour channel, made a great point earlier today in that he was wondering, because they're only using two courses, not three this year, they're not using La Quinta, and there's no pro-am part of it. It is only going to be professionals with COVID going on still. They're not having pro-ams at most events. And so uh, they're not having a pro-am part to this competition. And it's only going to be a 36-hole cut instead of the usual 54-hole cut. And so he is theorizing that, hey, maybe they'll toughen it up a little bit. Usually it plays really easy because you've got a whole bunch of hack golfers out there and you don't want to spend seven hours on the golf course, bring down their playing partners who are playing for actual money and actual uh, status out there. And so uh, you wonder without all of the amateurs on the golf course with them, and we've seen uh, Andrew Landry and Adam Long win the last, last two editions of this event, each at 26 under par. You wonder if, hey, let's take the easiest of the three courses out of the rotation. Let's take the amateurs out of the equation and maybe – this one plays a little bit tougher this week. I'm not so sure about that. I still think that the overall theme of this one is that the PGA Tour wants to let most of the players sort of ease their way into the year just a little bit. This is an event where a lot of guys uh, are still making their 2000, or 2021 debut uh, this week. And so I, you think they kind of want to, all right, let's, let's let them kind of get their feet wet just a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, of course, weather dependent, wind dependent, but maybe the winning score is closer to 21 or 22 under par instead of 26 under par. When you take La Quinta out, you take the amateurs out. Yeah, La Quinta, that's certainly a good point. So you have to factor that in a bit. And uh, yeah, we'll have to look at the weather, but assuming it's it's nice like it normally is in Palm Springs this time of year, uh, these guys will still be able to get after it. And, and yeah, maybe it changes a little bit, but I, you know, it's a much different setup and you're looking for a different golfer here than you're looking for, uh, you know, at a, at a major championship or at some of these tougher courses. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays. And we have a, a pretty good field. I was disappointed to see John Rama draw. It's not that surprising, but Patrick Reed's in the field. Cantley, who I know you love. Sung Jay, we're all looking for Tony Finau to kind of improve here. Yeah. Brooks Kepka in the field answer. Uh, you know, you got Ricky Fowler, you got Matthew Wolf. You have a lot of star power in this field. It's not all the big names, but there's still plenty of big names in golf. Uh, at the top of the board, I think I like maybe kind of, I like the mid tier more this week. But of the top guys, I think I like answer the most. I know he's 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 definitely a tier below in terms of odds relative to Kepka, Scheffler, Finau, but I think answer makes a lot of sense this week, and I think it's a good course for him. I know you've been excited about answer uh, a lot lately. Do you like him again this week or are you uh, off the bandwagon? Okay. So first of all, well, I just looked up the wind as you were speaking there and uh, it's, it says it's going to be two miles an hour this weekend, gusting up to four miles an hour. So I don't think the wind is going to play much of a factor this weekend. It has in the past at this event, but uh, I don't think it will be this year. Secondly, I did a little digging and over the last 10 years at this event, the winners have been an average of just north of 125 to 1 going into the event. And that includes John Rahm, who three years ago was 7 to 2. He was plus 350 
going into the week. And so you, you include him as part of that. You've got Landry was 200 to one. Adam Long was 500 to one. So you've seen some big numbers here. So this is a place where I, I recommend looking at some long shots. Uh, you know, certainly it, it, they've shown they can hit. Uh, it's very rarely that a favorite like Rom is, is able to hit there of the guys on top. I like Cantley because I always like Patrick Cantley, especially on the West Coast. I, I like Tony Finau because I always like Tony Finau, and you know. But uh, I'm starting to jump off just a little bit. At some point, you gotta you gotta cut bait, and you know, until I start seeing something from Finau. Uh, that said, I'll, I'll probably jump back on him next week because he plays really well at Torrey Pines and already thinking ahead to the Farmers Insurance Open. I, I would rather, yeah. if I could only take him one of the next two weeks, I'd rather skip this week oh, and go after distance. him next week in a tougher field. Yeah, uh, Scheffler, I like. He was third place last year. I really like him. I think Matthew Wolf can have a nice week. And Abraham Answer, after he missed the cut last week, I was like, you know what? He's dead to me for a while. I, he was my favorite outright last week. I went on every show. I went on every radio program and and just you know talked the heck out of Abraham Answer and said, this is my guy this week. And he missed the cut. So I'm like, he's dead to me. And then I looked at his numbers and he broke par both rounds. His ball striking numbers were pretty damn good. So it's tough not to like him go back to that well. Yeah, I mean – it's tough when you miss cuts because of your putter. It's hard to, to get off him. I mean, if he starts hitting the ball wayward off the tee or the approach game's falling off, it's much more um, intriguing. Or, you know, there's more justification, I should say, in fading them going forward after a missed cut. But when it's because of the putter, uh, I tend to give them the benefit of the doubt, especially a player like Answer. Uh, agree with you. I think the mid-tier is loaded. Uh, we were talking a little pre-pod. I think Eric Van Royen has tremendous value. Love Sam Burns, mm-hmm. Siwoo Kim, Seb Straka. Um, I got some long shots. I actually have more like mid-tier value on, like in terms of their outrights, but I'll save those. Um, EVR, Burns, I'm interested in Henley, Brian Harmon again, Siwoo Kim, Seb Straka, Taylor Gooch. Those are guys who are looking like value to me in the betting markets. Any of those names stand out? Who do you like? I've got a bunch of those guys on my list. Uh, it's kind of the, the mid-tier and the lower tier. Or there's there's some blurred lines there this week, so I'm not even sure who's mid and who's low, but I'll give you a bunch of names that I have. A few of those that you mentioned, Sam Burns. You mentioned Sepp Straka, who was uh, T4 here a year ago. I really like him. Taylor Gooch has been 17th and 4th the last two years at this one. I like him. Uh, a few other names, Aaron Wise, who's one of your favorites, yep. usually, Peter. I, I like Aaron Wise. He's my favorite outright this week just because, look, I wrote a whole column about how uh, long shots tend to show up at this one. I can't go pick some chalky uh, player, some chalky favorite, uh, based on what we've seen in the past year. So Aaron Wise, who opened it 90-1, to 1, he was my favorite play here for an outright. Doc Redman, you know my, my Doc Redman fascination. I just think this kid's got a ton of game. Doc Redman. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. He is tremendous value in the marketplace this week. I mean, he's 28 to 1 for a top five this week. He's been top five in three of his last eight starts. I mean, it's not like, well, if he has a really good week, maybe he can do it. It's like, no, he's peeling off 37% in his last eight starts in the top five. So I, I really like a play like that. A couple other names, uh, Brendan Steele, once again, Cameron Davis oh, yeah. has been playing well, Matt McNeely, 
Really good putter. He won a college event here six years ago. Peter Malnati keeps showing up, especially in the first round. I mean, watch out for him, first-round leader. Like him, Wyndham Clark, Scott Piercy, Vaughn Taylor, Robbie Shelton, all kind of a little bit lower, but all guys that I think can pop this week. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Yeah, he had on a lot of names I like. First of all, Steely still showing value. West Coast guy. I know it's brutal to come off, a, you know, a bad Sunday like that where he was in contention with the lead. But the game is there. I mean, I thought it was really telling talking with Steely on the pod how he felt so much more comfortable hitting cuts on his approach shot, uh, which is so important. You think about how good these guys are. And, you know, the defense that the PGA Tour puts on a lot of these golf courses is tucking pins in certain parts. And, you know, the pins in the, you know, far right corner, it's pretty tough to get close if you're hitting a draw. Um, but if you feel comfortable hitting cuts, and, you know, and moving the ball both ways, you can kind of start the ball in the middle of the green and then move the ball towards the pin if it's tucked away. So uh, that's shown up in the stats. He's really improved on approach. And uh, I show value on him again uh, this week. Uh, the other guy that you mentioned I show a ton of value on is Wyndham Clark. And Wyndham Clark can go out and win a putting contest very easily. We're normally fading the good putters uh, here on the pod. There are certain events that, you know, good putters get a bump. Most of the time you're kind of hoping that there's some regression. You're betting on ball strikers. This week, to me, the stats are approached, and then I'm actually looking for good putters kind of given the format here and just how players have scored in the past. Uh, so Wyndham Clark, I mean – he is definitely right there as the best putter 10 feet and in and uh, can make a ton of birdies. I show a ton of value on him. Still like JT Poston. Um, I think he's a good one. Seb Straka shows a lot of value for me. And a couple other names that you didn't mention uh, that are showing value right now for me are Luke List, Patrick yeah, Rogers. I had, I had Luke List down, yep. Yeah, I love Luke List this week. Luke List, Patrick Rogers, and Byung Han An. And Byung Han An goes against what I just said, saying we want some good putters, but – Man, being on odds, like 170, 180 to one out there. And I mean, he's definitely one of the best ball strikers. Can he get lucky with a putter? Um, we'll see. But uh, he's just more, you know, he's longer odds than he normally would be. I mean, think about some of the tournaments we were looking at before. Aaron Wise was 180 to one. And, you know, someone like Byung Hanan was like 80 to 100 to one. Now it's flipped. Aaron Wise is like 70, 80, 90 to one, depending where you're looking. And Byung Han An's 170, 180 to one. So that's just a price thing more than anything with Byung Han An. But uh, yeah, I think he's interesting. And I got a couple like severe long shots. Do you have any really long shots that you like, Jason? I mean, of those guys, I, I, I don't have the odds next to some of these names, but I'm guessing that Scott Piercy is a pretty long, long shot. Robbie yeah. Shelton, probably a really long shot. I like that kid's game, though. And I think it's coming around a little bit. 25th yeah. last week at the Sony. So either of those guys pop for you? Shelton's like basically break even, which is kind of, I guess, you know, most, most golfers when you're looking are showing a significant negative edge. So Shelton, I guess, not fully popping, but uh, I think he's really interesting. Um, and then Piercy, he's actually a little shorter odds than you think. I mean, he's only 125, 120 to one, 110 to one market. Uh, and that's kind of where I am in Christ. Uh, so I think 
Piercy is is fine, but uh, yeah, Shelton's interesting to me. I got a couple long shots that are showing some significant value uh, as we record this here on Monday night. Uh, Danny Lee, Troy Merritt, Abraham Lahiri, or I'm oh, sorry, not Abraham uh, Lahiri. I don't even know how to pronounce his first name. Honorbon. Honorbon. Scott Brown and uh, Will Gordon starting to sneak up, and Will Gordon's four hundred to one, which is why he's popping. Mm. Yeah, I, I like those guys. I make him three hundred something to one, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's not like he's a great bet, but he should be shorter than four hundred to one. By the way, so on the gimme every week, I always ask you once we go over the top of the board and we look at the odds. Hey, what do you think of the odds? Are they right? Are the numbers right? Are the players in the right order? And you say, ah, yeah, I might have this guy here, that guy there. I usually, you know, I, I struggle to see it on a regular basis. I might say, you know, well, would have thought this guy would be the second favorite, not that guy. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of times when I see just a bad number. Um, there are a few this week, I, I think, on on the side of the betters where it's, you know, wow, that guy is too big. The one that I find is too low, John Huh has opened at 70 to 1. Any, any thoughts on John Huh this week? I went back and looked and – I, I just hadn't seen his name in a while. He played pretty well at the end of last year. I mean, nothing bad. He, uh, you know, he's been pretty good for a while. It's just sort of everything's sort of okay. You know, there aren't really any title contentions. I, what are you seeing on John Ha? Is there any reason? I, that's one that, you know, I wrote about in my column this week that I looked at him almost like the, the football game where it's like, hey, the – the, the team that's the underdog is actually – that should be the underdog is favored, and I really want to take the other team, but it's almost like the books know something that, that I don't. So is there something the books know that I don't with John Ha being the same odds as like a, a Sam Burns, as a um, Gary Woodland, as a, an Adam Hadwin? Uh, does that make any sense to you? Nope. It makes no sense to me, and that's where <laughs> I wish – I wish we could short John Ha at 70 to 1. I see him at 71 – on a book as well. Um, I think he's closer to 200 to one than he is. to yeah. one. So uh, I have John Huh next to, you know, Max Homa, Swafford, Danny Lee, uh, you know, Burns, who's the same odds. You know, I think he's like four or five times more likely to win than uh, John Huh. So I, okay. I couldn't agree more with uh, that sentiment and that view of John Huh. Well, I'm glad you said that. Cause I was just, I'm sitting there looking at his number. I'm like that. Like nothing about that makes sense. It's like they just threw him in there for absolutely no reason. I'm like, am I missing something, or no. um, you know, are they just kind of feeding us something in there? So D- Danny uh, Lee is basically the same price to me to win, and he's 300 to one and has 70 to one. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that helps. I like that Danny Lee. I think he should be a lot shorter than 300 to one, but I could see that Danny Lee's a good player. So, all right, uh, let's get into our five under before we get to our ultimate DFS lineup. Five minutes, five questions you never asked. I got to be honest with you. I get a little irritated when somebody calls me away from my golf. This is Five Under with Jason Sobel and Peter Jennings. All right. Question number one. We are two events into the 2021 campaign. Based on what we've seen so far, if there was one golfer you could invest in based on the first two weeks, who would it be? It's hard to not say Kevin Nall right now after the win last week, but Steele has been equally as impressive. The real chalk answer who you want to buy right now is Walking Neiman. Who I uh, that's where I thought you were going to go. That's the definitive answer. You have really been beating that drum that this yep. is a really talented, elite young player. 
who do you think has a better year, Jason? Hovland, Morikawa, Neiman, and Wolf. Morikawa. I mean, I still think Morikawa is just a little notch above everybody else there. Uh, similar question. After seeing these first two events, one player that you might be selling. Yeah, I mean, answer hasn't hasn't shown up as much, but I don't want to be selling answer. I was disappointed in Sabatini's finish last week. We were both. I was really. Oh, we were that. both on him. You you convinced me, and I, I, I invoked you your name you. everywhere. I know. Saying and that I like that. Third question: Anyone who follows you on Twitter has seen you referencing investments and in NBA moments. This is going to be, I think, a very easy answer for you. But if you could buy one golf moment from the past, say, five years, what would it be? The Tiger moments. I mean, there's so many just vintage moments. Last five years would be easy. I mean, the one that was most exciting for me was Morikawa driving oh, the green. Tiger winning the Masters, I thought, was just the easy slam dunk, no doubt. Well, that's the most valuable moment is Tiger winning the Masters. Um, but I, I was going away from Tiger specifically because of the last five years. But, yeah, he did win the Masters. I mean, that's – Probably the best moment would be seeing Charlie and Tiger together. That mm. the moment when he puts his fist in the air. I mean, that's the hands down right answer. It's funny you said five years, and like that was that didn't come to mind immediately, which is like clearly by hands down the biggest moment in golf by a large margin in the last five years. So that, that's the right answer. But I was thinking about gambling, and uh, the the best gambling moment for me in the last five years is Morikawa driving the green for the PGA Championship, making eagle. Uh, I can't recall. It's like 15, is that 15 maybe or something like that? 14? No, whatever. Party Park. Uh, let's go. 16? 16. Uh, by the way, and I know nothing about the Top Shot stuff that you're doing. I see your tweets. A lot of people have been asking me, like, what is Peter doing? He's buying moments. I don't get – I don't need you to explain the whole thing, but can we ever get to a point where there's going to be golf moments that we can invest in? I think so. Um, and I, It's the most speculative thing I've ever done. I know it's crazy. My first reaction was it was crazy. It seems nuts. Uh, my goal and hope is that long-term we'll have a legitimate sports stock market where you're bullish on a guy, you can invest in them for the long haul. If you're bearish, you can sell them. Um, and I think that this has the foundation. And Top Shot, I know it sounds crazy, but you know that company's raised $50 million. They've paid a bunch of money, millions and millions of dollars for their license with the NBA. Uh and it's crazy, man. The collectibles are hard to get your mind around. A Mickey Mantle card just sold for $5.2 million. God. I don't get it, but uh, I would much rather make the bet on the digital element where there's a 24-7 marketplace. And obviously, you know, I'm a blockchain believer. I think collectibles should be on the blockchain. So I think there's a lot of good reasons that that's something to be bullish on. But my view is 90 plus percent of the time that thing goes to zero. So I would never advocate for anyone who has a family or you know, any money you invest in something like that, you should be kissing goodbye. Good to know. Uh, question four. Ricky Fowler is making his 2021 debut this week. Will he win a PGA Tour event this year? And how many top tens will he have? Gosh, and the numbers are going to say no, he's not going to win, which just bums me out. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he did the swing change and maybe this offseason was really good for him. Started to show decent form. Top tens. I think he definitely has a lot of top tens. Uh, I'll say four top tens this year. Um, and I hope okay. Ricky has a great year. He's great for golf. You know, I mean, you know the, the golf world as well as anybody. Everyone I talk to about Ricky just says he's the nicest guy. I saw him on, uh, you know, with sleaze and cold. And he just uh, he just seems like a guy you'd want to hang around. He's just a fun guy. I mean, I can remember times I emceed an event in Augusta where we went out on a boat and, like, we were, like, on this – we went on this boat in the middle of, like, this lake and he – he was trying to hit balls onto a target that was like on the banks. Like we just, 
went out there and had fun. He's just a cool guy to hang out with. I mean, he's done stuff like, you know, I've been on my phone on the range and he grabs my phone out of my hands. And before I even know what he's doing, he's like, basically like calls up the camera and takes a selfie of me and him, hands me the camera and walks away. I mean, like just like silly stuff like that. He's not he's doing it like, something go like, Hey, I know you want a picture of me. Just like, Hey, I have fun. I do have my friends all the time. He's just, he's a good guy to hang with. I, I think if anything, Ricky needed a little kick in the ass. Ricky needed a little like, Hey, it can't always be as easy as it's been for you since you came onto the PGA tour. He needed a little of sort of getting his come up in last year. Just needed a little like, Hey, you know what? Golf's hard. And I think he realized that last year. And my guess without having spoken with him recently is that he's now prioritized. Hey, let me, let me practice. Let me get working back to where I need to be as a player and I expect him to have a nice year. So I'll, I'll say, yes, he's going to win. And I say, like you, four or five top tens this year. I, I, think I really nice hope he wins. I think golf's better off with him winning. And, um, I just can't. Yeah. Like, you asked me, like, what the odds are, like, of a lot of golfers to win this year. It's just going to be tough. I mean, there are so many good players. So many. Good players. I know. Like, Harris English I was know. unbelievable last year and didn't win until the century. Like, unbelievable. I know. So, like, it, I know. And you're going to have golf enough. the next – I think there's 39 events between now and the rest of the season. And 10 of those, at least 12 of those are going to be won by guys where you're like, Oh, didn't see that guy winning. And so you're, you're narrowing down the number of even possibilities for some of the best players to win. So it's really, really difficult out there. The last question, getting away from golf for minutes, it's almost too easy, Peter, to make a Super Bowl pick right now because there's only four teams left. So, Give me a NFL NBA championship parlay. Uh, Bills Nets. Whoa. The Bills make me wanna Shout. kick your heels up and Shout. throw your hands up and Shout. throw your head back and Shout. come on now. The Bills are making it happen now. Well, I got the Bills in that big Calcutta that I don't know circling around 600,000 600, bet the process coins for the thing. And uh, I got the Bills, and I'm already – so I had the Bills and then uh, the Dolphins, and there was a prop for whoever has the most tournaments gets 4% of the pot for, uh, in Week 17. That's basically just trying to – they made all these rules, like biggest loss, so it still gets a small percentage of the payout. So it's not just like, oh, who's going to win the Super Bowl? They did all these things right. to give every team value. So I, I won on the Dolphins, which was lucky as hell, even though they lost because they had four turnovers last week. Wow. And then the Bills, uh, I'm already plus on the Bills and big money's and, you know, getting to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. So super biased and then rooting for the Bills. And uh, I think the Nets, um, I think the Harden thing, people are saying, oh, here's why it's not going to work. Harden is a dynamic player. They beat the Bucks tonight. Uh, Kevin Durant fits with anybody. And uh, I think the Nets have a real shot to uh, to win it all. I, I will say that I don't like the Lakers nearly as much as I liked them last year. I just there's something with the Lakers that's just not quite clicking for me yet. And that and it might just be because hey, it's still January and they don't necessarily need to care for a while. And that might be the case with a lot of teams out there. So uh, that is our five under in oh about five minutes. Might have been five and a half. Uh, no, take it out of weather. That's what a famous sportscaster used to. Tell me that was Chris Berman's deal. I used to produce the two minute drill for Chris Berman on sports center. I did that for about three or four years and the two minute drill would come in at six and a half minutes. And the producer would look at him like, seriously, boom, be like, ah, take it out of weather. 
Still not sure I understand what that means, but we're taking it out of weather. I, I get it. The local news would take it out of weather. So let's get to our ultimate DFS lineup, Pete. Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him, and you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. I'm going to give you the first pick here because, um, quite frankly, there's a lot of ways to go with this thing. And uh, we can zig, we can zag. And I, I'm interested to see where you go with having the first pick. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting week. We didn't talk about some of these big favorites at the top. I mean, Patrick Reed could certainly go out and play well here. Uh, he's lower. He's the lowest in the but he's the fourth most expensive golfer after Rom's out. So I think he's interesting in DFS. but. I'll go a little different direction. Uh, I'm really bullish on Eric Van Royen. Missed the cut on the number last week, uh, but had really good ball striking stats, putted horribly. Uh, those are the type of guys I'm normally buying. I think he makes a lot of sense this week. So let's go Van Royen as our first pick. All right. I like that a lot. Um, that range, that sort of mid to high 7,000s on DraftKings this Loaded. week is – absolutely fire. I mean, there, there are weeks when I look at that range and I go, I can't squeeze anyone to a lineup. I don't like any of these guys and where I like really, you know, the, the higher numbers and the lower numbers. Uh, and I think guys at 6,800 are just as good, if not better as guys at 7,800 this week, uh, that those 7,000s have a lot of value. Um, I picked Aaron wise to be my favorite outright this week. And, um, you have not given me any reason to jump off of Aaron wise yet. And so, uh, like a West guy, West Coast guy on the West Coast, did not have a good 2020, but finished it really well. Second place at Mayakoba in his final start of the year, making his first start this year. Uh, I'm going to go Aaron Wise at 7,600. Yeah, Aaron Wise uh, was the unluckiest golfer last year and then came on strong at the end of the year. A ton of talent, unbelievable pedigree as an amateur. And coming up, I, I think he realizes his potential here very soon. And hopefully it's starting off uh, in Palm Springs. Love that pick. Um, I'll save you Doc Redman, who I think is another really strong pick this week. Um, just from a DFS price, uh, I think Scotty Scheffler is way too cheap. My only concern is he might be a little chalky in DFS, so I'll get contrarian later, but we're going to have some money, especially if you pick Doc Redman, so I'll go with uh, Scotty Scheffler at 9,500, who I think you know should be more expensive than Ricky, than Wolf. Um, and then he's kind of in that same tier for me as Reed and Finau uh, and kept it way overpriced. So uh, yeah, I like Shepler. I'm going to do something very similar because I'm looking at the top tier and quite honestly, there aren't a lot of guys at the top. I, I've made lineups so far where I'm like, oh, I have 10-5 left, so I'll throw Finau in there. Or, oh, I have 10-2 left, so I'll throw Reed in there. Or 99, I'll throw in M. And to me, they're kind of interchangeable. I could see any one of those guys – capable of winning. I don't necessarily love any of them. I certainly don't hate any of them. Um, the one guy that I do think has a, a high ceiling and a low floor, but if we're playing this in uh, GPP contests, we like that high ceiling is Matthew Wolf. And I think the fact that he is priced right around the same as guys like Reed and M and Scheffler, I think maybe take some ownership away from Wolf. So we've got some money to spend here, and, and we've got some guys that we like who are a little bit lower. So I'm going to go Wolf at 9,700. Okay, perfect. I'll, uh, 
I'll leave you the ability to, to get the guy that you talked about, but you can also go a different direction because I know there's another guy that you like in this range. I'll go with Seb Straka at 7,400. I do think Wolf will be a little bit lower on. Straka is playing well and has history here. So I'm pretty interested in, in Seb Straka, who I think is a much better golfer than people realize um, and definitely better than his DFS price. I mean, I saw some significant value in the betting markets, and I think he's a really strong value here in DFS. And I think we have a couple picks that might go a little under the radar. So uh, Seb Straka, I don't think will be like chalk, but maybe kind of the mid-tier. Um, and I leave you 7,900. So uh, you can go a lot of different directions here. Uh, I know you love Doc Redman. Uh, certainly love that pick, but uh, you know you can go somewhere else too if you want. Yeah. So first of all, Pete, I'm in a couple of uh, one and done pools, and in one of them, one that I've been in for 22, 23 years now. Oh, that's cool. Uh, myself and, and my buddy Jim, uh, we've been doing it forever, and you know we call each other. They do it in three segments. So the first two picks were just okay, kind of like just throwing throwing a pick for Kapalu, throwing a pick for Sony, and then coming into this week, we have to do everything through the Masters. After the Masters, we'll have to make all our picks through, oh, probably the PGA Championship. And then after the PGA, we'll probably have to do all our picks through the end of the playoffs. You do it in three waves, basically. And so, you get alternates? Uh, no. I think you get, so one mulligan. you get one mulligan for the okay. year. So if your guy doesn't show up, then you can replace him that week. But if you have a second guy and he doesn't show up, Ooh, that's ouch. it. So helps to, to know who shows up at what places. But uh, moral of the story is, uh, just a couple hours before we started recording the pod, myself and my buddy Jim uh, got on the phone together and we started making our OAD picks for the first segment. And the guy that we've got this week is indeed Sepp Straka. So you mentioned Straka. Uh, I, I like him a lot. I've already got him outright. I listed him as a top 10 play in my column this week. And so I, I think that's a really strong play by you. And I know you're trying to leave for me and um, I, I might as well take it if you're going to, uh, throw it out there. And Doc Redman sitting there at 7,500. I, I will say that I don't necessarily like Doc Redman as much as I usually do, but that's only because I usually really, really like him. And I only really like him this week. So uh, still, I think a, a very strong play, but uh, if you're looking in that range, I don't mind a Gary Woodland at 7,700. I don't mind a Lucas Glover at 75, a Joel Damon at 75, Taylor Gooch at 74, Steele like at 73. Gooch. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to go right around Steel, that. Gooch so I think we're going to be able to. Those are my guys. Yeah, there. there you go. Yeah, Davis too. So, but yeah, I will throw in Redman. You better show some respect whenever the doc's brought up. Leaves us with Aaron Wise, Eric Van Royen, Scotty Scheffler, Matthew Wolf, Sepp Straka, Doc Redman. I, I think that's a very strong lineup, Pete. What do you think? I love it. I mean, we got a bunch of value here for me in the betting markets. Uh, I think Wolf comes in lower owned relative to these other guys in that range. So we get a little bit of leverage there. And uh, yeah, we got, we got young talent on this team. I mean, Wise, Scheffler, Wolf, Redmond. Uh, I really like EBR this week. So yeah, I think it's a, a strong, strong team. And Substrock, I think is one of the best values on the board. Yeah. I like this team quite a bit. I can't wait. I think this is going to be a good week. Uh, Last week was not as good to us as it could have been. I think this week is going to be very, very good. So good luck to everybody out there with your picks for the American Express. We will be back with the gimme. Don't forget, every Wednesday evening, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, you can catch us on all your favorite social channels. For Peter Jennings, I'm Jason Sobel. Good luck. Here's hoping you hit the green. 
We're finished talking. 